Welcome to the Codependent Me Podcast. I'm Tamara Shaw, a recovering codependent, a codependent life coach, and the co-author of God Turned Mommy's Wine Into Water. This podcast was created to increase the awareness of codependency and to give a more holistic look at the journey and healing of codependence. tell everyone the platform is here this is your episode if you will introduce yourself we will just get going from there all right well ladies and gentlemen i'm the g to i to end a okay i'm saying <laughs> uh, i am regina smithwick and i am a author i'm a podcast talk show host i'm a certified life coach um i'm an author and i'm a professional organizer and all of this happened in the last two years of my life because I was awakened. I was awakened. And my story, we will talk about a little bit, but yes, I, God purpose is now in me and I'm actually doing what he asked me to do. Amen. And just like we were talking about that awakening is real. Mm. And I love that you said it was like the matrix. Like oh yeah. All of a sudden, you just like, what is it? Red pill, blue pill? Yeah, like, some guy did, and like I said, it looked like somebody that took their mask off. He's like, "Who are you? Wait, what? What? Who are they? Who are you?" Yes, because everybody is not what you think they are. Because in your head, you you imagine that you had problems, and everybody else was great, and we all even, all even playing field. Everybody's got something. Everyone. Now, everybody may not be sitting there talking about or accepting their something. Right. And that's why their lives are difficult because as soon as you admit your issues, at one time now I could tell you, I have validation issues. I had low self-esteem. I had um, um, people pleasing. I had to, I want to make sure everybody liked me. You know, I could tell you that now. I couldn't say that four years ago. That, I could tell you mm. now, and it's like off the shoulders, right? Yeah. I'm good. I'm so good. And there's nothing you could say. Remember the movie Eight Mile? Uh-huh. Remember, now, this is a very important part of the movie. People probably don't need to think of it this way, but you guarantee you're going to go back and watch it. At the end, when Rabbi had do his battle, and you know he was nervous, right? When he first came out there, right? What he said is, he got to the point in his life, he said, you know what? I am who I am, and I, I don't care no more. He went in there and loaded on him. Everything was wrong with him. So by the time he said, I don't care what you say about me, tell him about me, and threw that mic at him, that music came on, he said... What not to say? Because he, he owned his stuff. He said, "I am poor. I live in I live in, in the trailer park with my mom. I am white. I am this. I am that." And then the guy was like, "I had nothing, no ammunition." He took my gun and shoot all the bullets out. He gave me the gun. Said, "Shoot me now." That's how you should take life. You should take life and just claim what you got going on. Work on it. And when you do that, nobody can come at you. You already put out there what's going on with you. That's but right. What you just said? I just said that. What's your point? I already said that. I already said that. Because when you claim and own your stuff, it makes the monster shrink. That's right. Mm. You're not you're no longer feeding it. Nope. You're not feeding that monster. The monster. That's right. That's right. I love that. It is the perfect example because that's what I try to get to tell people. I try to tell people all the time. Call your ish out. Yes. You know, if you're a liar, look yourself in the mirror and say, You're a liar. 
Mm-hmm. Once you call it out, then you can do something about it and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. But we're so worried about what other people think about us because we're conditioned and our belief systems has been um, given to us by our parents, by our teachers, by our friends. We don't even know who we are. First of all, that's, let's start with there. We don't even know who we are. Right. We go by what every, we think other people want us to be. Yeah. And that's how we live our lives. And then we wonder why we drinking and, and smoking and why we got to do this to, to, to cope with stuff. Yeah. Because we are not who we supposed to be. We worry about how other people see us. If you stop doing that and being who you are, in spite of whatever, regardless of whatever, you will understand that people around you start relaxing. Uh-huh. When I had my talk show, and I first, I did a talk show one time, we were talking about being the other woman. And I had said up there, I said, I was dating someone who had a lived-in girlfriend before. And we did it on off the years. I was that person. Mm-hmm. I was that person because I thought I didn't deserve better. Right. I didn't see myself as, I didn't love myself. I was, he was a narcissist and I was feeding into that because he was validating me. Mm. He was validating me. He made me feel good. Even if it was for a weekend and it was like a crash and burn scenario. You feel good. It's like a drug. And then you don't get it. Then you go through a cycle, right? And then yeah. you got to get it again. So you go back to him again and get that feeling. It's like a drug. Validation is a drug. So when I had to realize, first of all, when I found out who I was, then I realized I, I, I'm a child of God and God did not design me to live this life. Designed me to live this way. And I had to, to take charge and I had to be like, okay, let me sit in this for a second. I, I need validation. And when I realized what I needed, it made it easy for me, easier for me to let it go. See what I'm let saying? Let it go and find healthier ways to, to deal with it. Exactly. And, and that's, that's what people, it's that, you know, we look at the surface stuff, like, oh, he makes me feel good. But what's up under the surface? Mm. That's where that, that need of validation was. Ooh. That validation is something, I'm telling you, is a drug. You, you know, validation could be healthy. Mm-hmm. Getting a pat on the back is good. Somebody, you know, recommend, I mean, um, say, okay, great job, or you do something. You know, everybody likes to hear they do good, you know? Absolutely. But when you depend on it to survive is the problem. Because when you don't get it, you got to do something to get it. And when you do that, you end up dealing with people who got boyfriends or girlfriends. You end up, you know, doing stuff at work and, and cheating and stuff like that because you just got to get somebody to tell you how great you are. When yeah. you got to do stuff to do things wrong, then therefore you have an issue. So when you met, you you know when you start rec- recognizing stuff, you either get people that relax around you and they'll start recognizing stuff and admitting stuff or they'll go away because they're not ready. Because when you start talking like that, and oh, she's going to start talking about, what's your stuff? What do you have? <laughs> you want to call me out? Go ahead. And let me do stage left right now before you ask me a question I ain't ready to answer. So let me go. Let me just bounce out of this relationship. You know? It's like being so, a kid in a, in a classroom and the teacher start talking like, oh, I hope she don't call my name. Yeah, I ain't well, doing my, do my homework. <laughs> when you own it and you're on that particular healing level, or mm. you're you're focused on healthy relationships and healthy situations, mm. people will bow out because that if you if you're not good for you, you can't be good for me. So if you're not willing to sit back and, and you're not at that place where you can own it and all of that, because we're all supposed to be around like people, you know. So mm. I want to be around the people who are healing. I want to talk to the author Regina. All right. So your <laughs> book is Adoption. Uh huh. The Unknown Blessing. Yes. Tell me about it. Tell me how As we speak, 
I'm actually at my birth father's house. Literally, this is his house. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to him right now. Yeah. Um, I found, well, let's go back. So we talked about having issues and working on yourself. And in the midst of working on myself, I had to figure out why I had all these issues. They stem from somewhere. You know, I had a breakdown in 2019. And the breakdown was consistent of being on a date with this guy that I barely knew. And he rejected me. I cried. I campaigned. I Obamaed him. I was like, why you don't like me? I, I got all of this and that, and blah, 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 blah. And I stopped mid-sense and was like, what are you doing? I hung up that phone. I started crying. And then I was thinking about it. I said, I was crying more because not being rejected on, but how I handled the rejection was the problem. And then I said, something's wrong. I can't continue to live like this. I can't let people I don't know shift my mood that much to make me do what I'm doing right now. Right. I reached out to a, a spiritual life coach. I did my work. And when I did my work, I realized it stemmed from my adoption. I hid my adoption from my, um, of course, my immediate family knew, but I didn't tell nobody else because I thought that something was wrong. I didn't want no kids using it against me. You know, I was raised in New York. You don't give nobody anything. You don't give nobody nothing. Right. <laughs> no I'm not telling you nothing. Because they're like, that's why your mama ain't love you. That's why your mama gave you up. That's why you left at a porch somewhere. You know, they'll they'll exaggerate the story, right? Before you right. know it, they'll say some some bird dropped you off somewhere. And, right. You know, I was like, yo, mm -mm, not I. You're not getting me. And so I continued to keep that stint, that going. So imagine I found I was adopted at seven. I'm now 50 years old and didn't tell nobody. So when you hide from yourself, you can't love yourself. Mm. There's no way. How can you love yourself if you're hiding from yourself? Right. That's where all these problems stem from because I was trying to hide it so much that I was like, I want everybody to love me. I want everybody to like me. When somebody didn't like me, I was like, you don't like me. How you don't like me? I didn't want nobody not to like me. Mm -hmm. So when I do that, I'm selling myself short. So I'm letting people do whatever they want to do. I let them say whatever they want to say because I didn't want them not to like me. No boundaries. I felt this person that wasn't even me, right? So... That's where the adoption started from. It started from me getting help. And then I, um, my cousin was saying, the one of my new cousins that helped me find my family, she said, you need to write about this. This story is amazing. And I found my family in one day. My father and my mother in one day. Oh, my God. When I got my results back, I made two phone calls and found them. Oh, wow. My mm -hmm. goodness. That is amazing. Yep. Yep. So that's how this book came of Adoption the Unknown Blessing, because I named it that because it's unknown blessings. There's a lot of blessings in this. It's not just the blessing of being adopted, but the blessing of finding my birth family and discovering who I am and where my mannerisms came from, where my thought process came from. I understand like the man in this other room over here, how much I'm like him and then even wasn't raised with him. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. Yeah, that's that just lets you know how deep DNA goes. Yeah. yeah, I just love, I love it. I totally, truly love it. So the the book was, like I said, the book is um, my journey of finding my family and how I feel about them. You know, a lot of adopted children, I, I haven't heard a lot of stories about things that, like, for example, we are supposed to be just grateful that we was adopted, right? We're supposed to be just happy that somebody took us in. We shouldn't complain. We shouldn't be saying, you know, we have issues, you know. There's other kids who's in the foster care system that I totally respect. There's kids that's abandoned on the street, homeless children, and they don't have nobody that took them in. So what are you complaining about? Well, 
let me explain. If you're not a doctor, there's no way you can understand how it feels that you're biologically attached to someone, but yet you don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And then you feel a part of you is missing. It's a void that always needs to be filled. Um, I met several doctor women, and all of us had the same thing in common. We all needed validation. We all had abandonment issues. We all felt misplaced, and we all been divorced because we're trying to fill this void with other stuff. And the void got nothing to do with your parents adopting you. You love them. They did a great job. You're not, but there's two different things. People like to combine it together. They'll go, you know, either your adoptive family go, well, why would you want to find them for? You know, we're not enough. You can't mm-hmm. just erase the fact that I belong to other people. Right. You know, that's kind of being selfish because you got your, your, your thing filled, but I have a void still. Right. And, you know, shame on you to think that most adopted people, except for me, because I adopted my, my daughter, <laughs> But a lot of adopted people are not adopted people. They usually came from their parents and, wow. you know, they had okay. an adopted child. So they don't know how it feels to be right. adopted. Yeah. They just know that they love you unconditionally and they want you, and they want you to bring you in the family and they kind of want to erase the fact that you're adopted. Like, okay, it's over. We all family, but that I'm person. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not everybody there's a lot of people that's very open about it they'll tell their kids from day one and they actually now these days it's different I was 70 baby in the 50s, 60s, 70s those adoptions are a little bit different they kind of like close adoptions and they don't know nothing you don't know nothing you gotta search these days parents are like literally the birth parents are still a part of their lives they actually visit their birth parents and they know them and they, 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 they're friends with the adoptive family and they work together more so they don't have that void. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that, um, you know, I don't know a lot about it, adoption. That's why I really think that this story is so important. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you could have an adoption where there's um, a situation where you can still have your birth parents or birth mother or father in your life. As yeah, they have open adoption. They call it open adoption. Okay. Yeah, open okay. adoption is, is open to um, them having a relationship you know what's going on with closed adoption is basically, you know, they'll give you um, some information when you come of age and you got to request it. And when I request the information, it's only what she puts in the statement. So whatever your mother or father put in the statement, it's all you know, and you got to find them yourself. Okay. That's so yours was mean. closed. Yeah. Mine was a closed adoption. Okay. Lucky enough, DNA um, ancestry literally is an amazing tool. I tell anybody, you trying to find anybody, you just spitting that vow, send it off. Yeah. In six weeks, you'll find your whole family. Yes. I, I, and, and, and another thing was so funny was I went to Virginia State University, the land of the Trojans, VSU. <laughs> um, and when I went to, to school there, now my, my adopted family is from Virginia. Oh. Beating my cousin, finding out we was in school together. My first cousins, we was in college together. My brother used to hang out in Virginia State all the time. He knew. I was like, what? This whole time, I was walking around the campus, my brother's sitting right there. Oh, my goodness. See, that's what. But that's the thing about being adopted. You don't know. And then the scary part about it is you could have been dating your cousins and didn't know it. (laughs) So you you were 50, you said, when you... Tried to find your birthday? Yeah, when I revealed it at my 50th birthday party, I had a Zoom party because, you know, COVID was 2020. Yeah. yeah. So um, I had a Zoom party. My best friend, um, she knew about it, and she had set up this nice little PowerPoint and had pictures of my siblings. And I was raised as the only child. 
Okay. So now I got six siblings now. Oh, that's fantastic. How does that feel? It's different because it's it's not like I'm coming from sibling to siblings. I'm coming from only child to having the sisters and brothers. So on my mom's side, I'm the youngest. On my dad's side, I'm the oldest. So I get a best best of both worlds with that. But it's weird because I'll sit there with my sister and be looking at her. I'm like, that's my sister. Right. After 50 years of. Yeah. After 50 years, I have a sister. I have a brother. And I love them all. I love all my siblings. And it's, it's like everybody's different. You know, I had to learn different personalities and different ways. And it's new for me. I had to tell them, like, y'all to give me some grace because I I only know what I see, you know. And I'm like, sisters and brothers, like, I'm down. Like, anything you need, you know, you're my brother, you're my sister. Like, I, I, I'm going, I go straight into everything. I go from, if I do something, I go from zero to 100. I do it, I do it hard, you know. Yeah. And I'm like. I have to kind of remember, like, you got to slow up, you got to learn these people, you got to know what they like and they dislikes, and everybody's not like you. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not like you. Some people need time to get to know you, you know. Some people go straight in. I got to treat them all separately. Right. Even That's what I was going to ask. Were, did you have some that were hesitant? You know, I know some people jump in and go, oh my gosh, I have an extra sister. You know, that's so, mm-hmm. that's so wonderful. And then others like, well, wait a minute now. Yeah, I had, um, I'll be honest, I, I, all of them embrace me fine. Um, but I have some that they just not as, we're not as close as others. And it's not like they don't love me. It's not like I don't love them. We just don't talk on a regular basis. But when we talk, we do talk, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's okay. That's, that's okay. That's normal sibling stuff, really. And I see, but I wouldn't know that, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> I think all siblings are like, we talk on the phone every other day and we see each other. We'll do this. We do, you know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking siblings are like that, but I had to come to, and I should know better because my mother and father are from big, my, my adopted parents. My mom is one of 17 and my dad is one of 12. So they, they, I mean, I, sh- I do understand that they have certain sisters are closer than other sisters. You know, they all love each other, but they have different sets and closer than other sets. So I get that. I understand it. But when you really go through it yourself, it's just something different, especially when you don't have, you miss years and years and years, you know, yeah. and I didn't grow up with them. Right. And so it's, it's a learning, you know, it's really a learning experience. That's why I said I may write another book on the, after you find on what's next, because this is not over. You know, you watch those reality shows or you watch them, them shows, adoption shows. And at the end, they find out who they mom and they hugging and crying and the credits roll and the show goes off. And you're like, okay. What happened? That's just the beginning. Yeah. That was an hour into it. Right. And my kids, you know, I, they like, oh, that's my uncle. That's my aunt. Yeah. But they got to, they don't know them, you know, and they're not going to be able to just jump in like, hey, you know, hey, uncles, you know, let's go do this. Hey, sit, you know, let's, uh, they have to, they, they, they need to learn them too. Right. They don't know whether they play basketball or they're artists or, you know, whatever right. that thing is. Right. Yeah. And you, but they, they, but one thing my siblings do though, they take time to, you know, they, they ask them questions and how you doing and how school, like they trying to get to know who they are, you know, That's beautiful. And, but they understand, they get them their space. 
you know, they'll get in a space and let them just kind of do their thing and they'll just check on them and, you know, because it takes time to build. That takes time to build. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, even with my dad, you know, we talk every day or he'll call me at least every day and we'll text every day. And it's been two years now. And, you know, I feel comfortable with him because at first I was kind of like, I mean, I trust him, but I didn't know him, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And it's like when I first stayed with him the first time, I was just like, I'm, I was in the bed just looking at the ceiling like, I don't, you know, typically I don't know this person. And I'm like in his house sleep. And it's like, who is this? One moment I was at home, the next moment I'm in somebody's house. Like, it was just so weird. And I'm like, but that's my dad. That, that's, yeah. Because you want to have that trust life. factor, you know? Right. That's the man that gave me life. Right. Right. You know? Regardless of whatever happened, without him, would have been no me, period. Point blank, the end. Like, that's the beginning of me. I got to, even if I, for some reason, I didn't, if I didn't get along with him or we just didn't, you know, match, mm-hmm. I still would respect him because it doesn't matter. He, I would not be here without him. Absolutely. So I always felt that way. And even with people who have bad relationships with their parents. You know, it's like you don't have to be best friend of your parents, but you gotta respect these people, yo, because they you without them it'd be no you. Right. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be best friends, but come on, you know. But but respect it. Respect the respect what they did. You know. I thank him. I'm like, thank you, because I said, you know, of course you were young, you probably didn't (laughs) like okay. But thank you for having me. Because I mean, and thank my mom, you know, she passed away before I met her. Um But I, I, I thanked, I, I mean, I still thanked her. Like you could have just got an abortion. Why? Why carry a baby around for nine months knowing you're not going to keep them? Why deal with the headache? Why deal with trying to keep yourself healthy and, and going through all the pains you had to go through and, and labor just to say, here you go. That alone showed me how much she loved me because she gave me a chance. She maybe she said, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you live and you're going to be able to put a mark in this world because what I did, you shouldn't have to be punished for, you know, and, and growing up, I never told people, of course, I was adopted, but I know everybody has a choice. I get that. I, I have no problem with that, but I'm, of course, an advocate for life. Of course I am. She could have done that and I wouldn't have been here. So my story is different than some people's stories. And I get that. I'm not here to judge, but I know for me, she could have just went to abortion clinic and been done with the whole thing. She didn't have to do what she did. She was 20 years old. That's why I love having these conversations because some people feel as though because they gave me up, they didn't love me. But you're like, no, she loved me enough to bring me here, to allow me to do my work, to do the work that I need to do. Right. It was part of God's divine order. It was part of God's divine order. She was part of the plan. She and my dad was part of the plan. My plan wasn't supposed to be an ordinary plan. My plan was supposed to be a street, you know, taking another corner, turning down another block, going up to the light. My life was not supposed to be a straight shot. It wasn't meant to be that way because that gave me those issues for me to get resolved to be where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. right this moment being right. on your your show is part of the divine order plan absolutely it's that part is. of the plan so i don't have no problems with that and that's why i thank her i went to her grave site and i just sat there and cried i thanked her so much because i was like you you don't understand what you have done i said i think that you may felt some guilt because you're a mother you have she has other siblings i'm the baby 
she had 12 kids, so she knows how to be a mother. But I know she felt bad, but I, I know she had to do what she had to do. She wasn't able to afford me. Right, right. And, and she said, I'm going to give you a better shot. And I honor you for being able to see it that way. Because not everybody, you know, has that ability. So that's beautiful. And they don't give you away. And that's another thing I've learned since I've been in the adoption world. They say you were, you were placed in a family. You wasn't given up. You was placed in a family. She right. said, Lyle, that's the reason why the stigma is on adoption. And I said, I said it all the time. And they're mm-hmm. like, no, you were placed into a loving family. Ooh. I, I was like, you got me. Birds are powerful. Yes. You got me. Yeah. I said, <laughs> I never thought that's of it deep. that way. That's mm-hmm. deep. Yeah, words are powerful. You weren't given away. You were placed with a loving family. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. So how did your adopted parents deal with it when you told them? Well, my dad had passed away in 2012, so it'll be 10 years next month. Um, So he wasn't here for that. But they they both talked about it and told me at seven years old that I was adopted. So they wanted me to know. So it wasn't a secret. But my mother had always said, why didn't you find out earlier? Like, why you waited this long? I said, because I wasn't prepared to receive whatever was going to come my way. I'm not the same person that I've been at 30 years old. I am at 40 and I'm at now at 51. I'm a totally different person. And I had to go through what I went through to be this person, to be ready to receive what was going to happen. Yeah. There's a lot going on with this. It's not just, hey, you meet. No, I got to learn. Do you know, they only have to learn me. I have to learn hundreds of people, literally. Right. I have this family's not small. It's cousins and second cousins and nephews and nieces and I have grand nieces. I got grand nephews. I have yes, my sister and my brothers are grandparents. I got great. I got great um, nieces and nephews. Yeah. I got a lot of people to learn. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's a lot. It's, it's overwhelming sometimes because you can't remember everybody's name and forget about. I don't even. I don't even know the the immediate birthdays. But you go past the the, the, the nieces and nephews, oh my, I really know half of their names. And I feel so horrible. Oh, but yeah. I said that, you know, because you think as being an aunt, you're supposed to know this stuff, right? right. But I'm like, yo, it's a lot of y'all. I got to learn. I have a book that I have all that stuff written down. Oh, it's so beautiful. On my phone. So when their birthdays yeah. come, I'll text them and tell them happy birthday, whatever. That's so but, nice. But some of them now, like a lot of my nieces and nephews, they call me Auntie G, Auntie, you know, Auntie Gina, and they love me and they they always show love to me. Um, then I have some of them now. I just you know a couple of them now they listen to them it's like hey Auntie Gina. Like before they they wouldn't say nothing. Now they starting to say Auntie Gina, so they starting to embrace. Right. It's starting to build. It's starting to build. Yeah, starting to build. Starting to build. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I love the the title of the book about the unknown blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of people, like you said, if you if you're not adopted, you or not in that world, you may not understand it mm-hmm. as well. You know, because right. a lot of people they, like you said, they look at it as you were given away, and that is not the case. Mm-hmm. That is not the case. So I honor you for putting that out there, mm-hmm. saying no. I want us to look at this the way that it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain things that have to be looked at and acknowledged if you're an adopted child. Right. There's some work that needs to be done. Thank goodness, you know, your family was open arms. You know, yes, they, how they, beautiful is that? I was just talking about that before I came on air with you. I was just talking about that, that, you know, everybody don't get that. Like, 
right. my daughter, my daughter, I adopted from my, my ex-husband's daughter. I adopted her. And her name is Regina as well. Oh, wow. So this is the funny thing. I adopted her. Her name's Regina. My, my birth mother named me Regina. And my mother said, when the, the adoption agency told her, you know, well, she named her Regina. You know, if you want to change her name, whatever. And she said, she looked at me and her and my dad was like, she looked like a Regina. And he <laughs> said, I rather, she wanted me to have something, a part of her. Oh, see. So she said, let her keep that name. I'll just give her her middle name. So all these years after we found each other, after I found my birth family, my mother actually told her best friend about me. She was the only person except for my dad that actually knew about me. And she knew my name already. And she said, yeah, I didn't say nothing, but I know, you know, I knew your name's Regina. So I wish she knew that I actually kept that name. Right. She probably thought that, but they probably changed it when they adopted me. But I still had the name she gave me. And Regina means queen. Oh. And so when I was going through my breakdown, I actually, it, it just, it like, it went through my head. And I said, my mother, who sat there with me for three days, named me queen. Because that's the name that she felt I needed to betray. Right? I'm on the floor crying over some stupid mess. Mm-hmm. Is that a queen? Is that a is that a way a queen acts? Is that the way the queen conducts herself? No. Time for you to get your crown, put it on your head, fix it, tilt it, do whatever you got to do, and let's rock this world like a queen's supposed to be. And every time I that ever since I did that, like my life is totally different now. I'm like I'm a queen. I am a queen. Like literally, my name is queen. Right. Act accordingly. Come on. That's right. Act Act like what you are. Take your throne, honey. You Take can't, your throne. You can't get more than this. You can't get more than this. Your name is queen. Right. And I'm sitting there crying over some stupid mess. So said, you decided yeah. to pick yourself up. You woke me up now. Thing. <laughs> right. The sleeping vagina is now awake. <laughs> right. I love it. So what was the first thing that you did to start on this journey? Oh, my life coach, spiritual life coach is Reverend Melissa Nobles. I'm telling you, I, I I referred about five people to her already. She does it in a way she doesn't tell you what to do. She guides you, but you do the work. She doesn't give you no answers. She doesn't got no magic pill potion. It's going to poof. Your life is great. But she ask you things that you don't even know like you go wait a minute i don't know who are you i'm just sat there like mm, i'm regina it's like no that's your name who are you mm. okay so this is what we're gonna do we're gonna start you off with this book called three thirty day mental diet <laughs> 30 day mental diet was the first book i read highly recommend this book for someone who don't know why they in this universe and why they are god picked you to be at this certain time a certain phase a certain place this book will start you off to understand how important you are in this world 
And it's only five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. It's for 30 days. It's called a mental diet because what a diet does shred, right? Mm. So your mental gets shredded and then you rebuild it back up. That's beautiful. So that started my journey. Then I used to watch a lot of YouTube videos, um, a lot of motivational um, law of attraction. I was introduced to a law of attraction. That changed me all the way on how I handle situations. I was introduced to John Proctor. I was introduced to um, um, Think Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, so all those great people that um, mastered this way of thinking. Yes. The millionaires walking on this earth right now that mastered this thinking. That's right. I, I, I get it now. Yes. I don't let everything get at me no more. I understand what's happening. I understand the book called for the four agreements. Mm. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very that good book. I had, a, I stand that book on the table and walk away so many times. I could, I'm sick of you book. Do you understand the simplest thing? Don't take it personal. Yes. Nothing is nothing got nothing to do with you. Nothing except for what you do, your narrative, what you do. The outside coming in got nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. What people mean at you got nothing to do with you. It's them. Yeah. When I noticed that, I was like, okay, whatever. Right. Whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this story real quick mm-hmm. because you once once you get there, you have such a peace mm. that people when you tell the story of what happened to you and how you dealt with it, they don't understand your response. Hit it. <laughs> I went to get a massage. I may have told this on the last podcast too, but oh well. So <laughs> it's a good story. Don't worry about it. It's all right. Take two. Um, right, exactly. So I went to get a massage the other day and I walked in and the masseuse, she said, uh, what are you here for? You know, what would you like? And I said, oh, I want to, I want to relax, you know, so I want a relaxation massage and, you know, I've had a little bit of a back, but I don't want you to worry about that. I just want to relax. She said, mm-hmm. okay, great what level of of tension you know intention do you want and i was like light to medium i just want to relax and she said okay well i do deep tissue you're gonna be sore tomorrow i said okay and smiled okay so she said get dressed i mean get get undressed be face down but okay i'll see you when you get back she goes out, I get undressed, and I'm thinking in my head, okay, how are you going to deal with this if she walks in with this deep tissue foolishness when that's not what I paid for, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm thinking in my head. But then I also went back to that moment to say, okay, normally today I, I, just, I go with what's in my body at that moment. Now, she had caught me a day before. It could have been a totally different response, right? <laughs> but, but at that moment, it was okay, you know. And I was thinking in my head, I said, okay, I could have told her, no, that's not what I paid for. That's not what you're going to do. You go get somebody, you know, blah, blah, blah. I could have been all of that. I could have just walked out. I could have said, excuse me, walked out and said, this is not, I need a different masseuse. I could have handled it different ways. But for some reason, my body said, say, okay. So I said, okay. So it took her a minute to come back. And so next thing I know, knock on the door, come in. She comes in and 
I'm waiting because I'm waiting. <laughs> so, so she says, I'm right. She's like, ma'am, I'm not going to be able to do your massage. And I'm like, I'm, my head is still down. I'm like, she goes, I've been having some issues. Her telling me that I, you're going to be sore tomorrow. All, none of that had anything to do with me. <laughs> had nothing to do with me. Okay? So next thing I know, I turn over to her. I go, baby, are you okay? Now here come the coach out of me. Are you okay? <laughs> she was like, well, I just had some time. I said, you know what? Sweetheart, you do what you have to do for you. If you need to leave, you go right ahead. Give yourself permission to do that. All I need to know is what's my next step? Because <laughs> I'm laying here on this table. Where I, go from here? I didn't know where I go from here. <laughs> but moral of the story is it had nothing to do with me. Absolutely nothing. So we have to think that when people attack or kind of treat us a little bit differently than we deserve, does it really have anything to do with us? That's our egos. Boom. That's our egos. Our, they, they pop right out, right? Because we, we got to make it about ourselves. Oh, she didn't. <laughs> what you're not going to do, what you're not going to do is this. Because you know, do you know who I am? I'm a paying customer. I am this. I am, baby. And guess what? That's happening. Because that's your personal thing going on right now. Because you got issues. So now you <laughs> those issues off on her and she's doing the same so we going back and forth they, they said that black magic right it's that black magic yeah. that, that's through and, it, and you travel that black magic on so right. you stopped the black magic because when it got to the point that you could have been clapping back at her you didn't you stopped it and you said let me think see that's the reason why I said that we need to really evaluate evaluate our, our belief systems our morals and standards in our processes because a lot of times we do what we think we're supposed to do we do what we already done but we don't really realize is that really you or are you doing it because somebody else taught you that right is this how you really are when you finish doing it don't you sometimes feel bad you know why because that's not who you are exactly your, your conscience got you now mm-hmm. so what you did a lot of people won't do because they take it personal and then they, they, they do what they do to themselves do that. So let's break that down. So when you did that, you said, wait a minute. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to embrace this because maybe it's something I needed. Maybe it's something that was supposed to happen. Right. Exactly. So I'm going to just take that because I'm going to follow this process through because it's obviously something that needs to happen here. I'm gonna walk this thing. Yeah. I'm gonna walk this process. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of people won't because it's like I told you what I wanted. No, maybe this is something I needed. Maybe there's something going on in my body I didn't even know about that this was supposed to help. Mm-hmm. So, but it did reveal itself afterwards, and you realize she realized it because when she said that to you when she left, she realized that what she said. Yeah. And she could have continued with that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You you allowed for CT. You allowed her. You gave her permission to do it because if you had clapped back, it would got so far off the subject. She would have been defending herself more or less and dealing with the issue. Absolutely. But because you got quiet, you said, "Okay, mm-hmm. 
And she left. She said, I can't do this. I can't do my business to this woman. Let me go back and tell her I can't do this. But if she didn't, she would got angrier. Yes. And she would came back and tore your body to shreds. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. I'd have been sore tomorrow. Right. You'll be sore tomorrow. Let's but she aimed to hurt you. Right. She needed to get that frustration out. And she was going to do it on you. But because you kept your calm and your peace, you allowed her to release. It's the bait. The bait of Satan is That's offense. That's amazing story. It's offense. And I was offended, mm-hmm. but I decided to trust the process. You trust the... That's an amazing story. And it's what's what's what I found so weird about it. I was very... You know, I had to... You really have to think about that thing. Like, as I was like... Even afterwards, I was like, did I really trust? Like, that is amazing, right? You know... That's amazing. You know, my mind is like... Because I was very grateful it took a lot to do that. Yeah, I was grateful, but then I realized that it's it was difficult for me to tell the story. Cause you felt like you got you felt like you got punked out, right? Right, exactly. And I and I was <laughs> I was worried about how people would you know respond about you. to my yeah. response. Like, Thank oh, you. you let her say that to you? <laughs> All of that. So then that's something that I had to deal with. Like, why do you care about what people feel? about how you handle the situation, that's your situation. And if they would have handled it differently, then they would have had to deal with the response, you know, whatever the situation would have happened. But why are you mm. afraid to tell the story because you don't know how people are going to respond to your response? And you're worrying about, because see, you grow, you grew, right? So the people that you're worrying about are the people who are not on your level anyway. Absolutely. The people you're worrying about is the ones that you're trying to keep on to this. You're trying to hold on to these people. For yes. some reason, you're trying to keep them on because you feel loyal to them. You feel like you have to continue that loyalty to these people. But doing that story will open up a gate that would not be closed because if you said that, they came back at you and said, well, this is what I would do. I'm like, well, I'm not on that level no more. I don't do that no more. I don't do that because, see, I know that the process was supposed to be trusted and I understood the process. And what I did was I followed the process because the process wasn't about me. It was about her releasing. It had nothing to do with me. Absolutely. I did what God told me to do. I heard him. He said, don't say nothing. And he saved her. First of all, he could save her from many things, from just the emotional aspect, but her job. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because she could have done something, you know, really hurting you and you could have recorded her and she could have lost her job over this emotional breakdown she was having in the other room, right? Absolutely. It had nothing to do with you. But see, all of us are so busy trying to satisfy our needs all the time that we don't think about nobody else, these selfish people as a, as a whole, not everyone, as a whole. Right, as a whole. We would not allow that process to be continued all the way to the end because we got to clap back and let you know how we feel and what you're not going to do. Right. <laughs> That touched me. I'm glad. Because I'm going to think about that when something else happens. I'm going, you know what? Mm-mm, trust it. Just let it go. Trust it. Absolutely. And, and, and that taught you something that you don't hide from nothing. You, you, what you did was right. And if other person can't understand it, it's not meant for them to understand. And that's going to make you have to feel like questioning things like, hmm. Again. I think our relationship has reached its peak. Right. I'm again got off the off track. Oh, no, 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 that was important. Oh, beautiful. That was, that was important. That was beautiful. Uh, but yes, I love I love the four agreements. Okay, I'm about to, I'm about to I'm about to rock you with Rocky Roll with this one. Listen, so 
the next the, the last book I read was Yvonne Orgy. I knew she wrote a book, but I didn't I didn't read Diesel it. Bamboozle Me. I, I love the cover. I hadn't read it yet, so I gotta get that, huh? Is it good? Tell me about it. Get get the audible version. Okay. Don't read it. Let her read it to you. The the way she breaks down God in the Bible and the stories of following your process, she talks about things that happened to her on the same kind of level you just discussed. Right. And how she thought things were bad, but they the things that happened four years ago resurfaced and end up benefiting her life. Like things she were talking about. Wow. But it, it didn't happen the way she thought it was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Like she would introduce the people that she thought, like, oh wait, I was this person, this is gonna happen. Nothing happened. But she had to still go through things and learn stuff, right? Because she wasn't really ready. ready. Like, yeah. The introduction was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Years later, we're right into it. Because it was God introduces you to people sometimes just to get the introduction in. That's it. Even though it looked like something's gonna happen when it doesn't happen, don't worry. That's part of the process. You're not ready yet, but he just wanna put that person on alert. Because that alert, now the person knows you. So when they see something happen to you down the road, they're like, Oh yeah, I remember I met her and she was so nice. Right. And look at what she's doing now. Let me reach out to her. Maybe we could do something together. Just trust it. Stop trying to figure everything out. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 state. Do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in God in all your heart, and he will straighten out your crooked path. It's his understanding, not yours. Your understanding is about as big as this. What he's doing is so so amazing. You can't even touch it with a 10-foot pole. But we always mess it up because why? We only go by what we understand and what right. we see in front of us. Right. What we see. Yeah. When I when I, I, I can't, I'm putting it in fruition, I'm going to put it in, I got to meet Yvonne because I am so proud of how she described things and she's a celibate woman. She's waiting for mm-hmm. her man. Yeah. Waiting yeah. for her husband to do it the right way. Yes. I love it. Hands down amazing book she is she's an amazing individual and i'm so glad that you brought it back to me because i was going to get the book and i just you know life happens and you, and you have happens. to tell me what happens when you read just go through a couple chapters and you call me and tell me how you i'm, I telling, I, I'm on my second time going through it for sure and i just okay i want to go back to your book mm-hmm. so you can get it on amazon yes if you look under regina smithwick S-M-I-T-H-W-I-C-K, Regina, all my books. I have one, um, my adoption book, and I have three journals under my name. So I have four books all together. So I have Ring Out Your Sponge. That's a workbook. And talk about things we've been talking about today, right? New Uh belief system processes, getting all that. You have a sponge that's saturated now. You got it. got a lot of bad stuff up in there. You need to ring it out. And now we need to absorb new ideas, new process, new belief systems. A lot of us don't know what we believe in. We believe in what other people believe in. Question stuff. Why do I like this? Do I like this? Why do I do this? Do I really like that? We don't question nothing. I'm going to tell you a story real quick. Yes. So this grandmother, she cooks this chicken. And what she does is she put the season on it and then and she breaks off the legs of the chicken. She puts it in the pan and she puts it in the oven. So all her years, her daughter saw that. So her daughter said, oh, okay, that's our tradition. So she did the same thing she got over. Her mm-hmm. daughter saw that. So her daughter did the same thing. So the question finally came up. Like, well, why do you break the legs off the chicken? And she's like, well, that's a tradition. That's what we do. Our family doesn't do that. 
they finally decided to ask the grandmother, why did she do that? She said, baby, my oven was too small. So I used to break the legs off and put it in there so it could fit in the oven. Had nothing to do with tradition. Had nothing to do with how it tastes. It had nothing to do with anything. The lady's oven was too small and she broke the legs off. But you know, the, the, the moral of the story is we do things and don't ask. And we just do them. And we continue to do things generation after generation after generation and don't ask why. We have a belief system of nothing. It was just a logistics. <laughs> That's all it was. Grandma said, God don't mind how to break these legs. Y'all up and twice as big as mine. Why are you, why are you still breaking the leg? <laughs> right. Nobody asked the question. If you ask the question, you at least be able to come up with your own ideas of it. Like, okay. Absolutely. It's, but traditions are great. Traditions are great when they are traditions. Because I take like my the recipes and all of that from my grandparents, right. my great grandparents. Like I love it. I think like wearing with a badge of honor. I made Nana's this, and I'm that's right. Okay, so I call my grandmother. I have a, one grandmother still alive, and she makes the best red velvet cake. Mm. The best. I said I know she got to be slaving. She got you know she she even got the chickens with the with the eggs, baby. All of that. I called her about six months ago. I said, Granny, I need the recipe <laughs> to the red velvet cake. She said, oh, baby, go to Aldi's, get you a white cake. <laughs> it's just white cake. <laughs> Girl, I had tears in my eyes. I said, what did you say? <laughs> you said, what? Did you say this was a box cake? <laughs> you add her little flavor to the box cake. Baby, quit playing with me. She I do the said, same thing. She said, you don't have, we, she said, this is not... <laughs> I love my granny. So this is not Laura Ingalls anymore. We don't have time for all of that anymore. Nope. I'm going to tell you how I do it today. And you had it. It's just as wonderful. I was like, I called my kids. I said, yo, I can't get <laughs> Because what we do, we think, see, you you would went and told your kids, your kids would told your kids, yes. and would kept going. <laughs> and like, girl, look at that Duncan Hines, and I'm going to tell you what to put on there. Let me put you in you put that in there, you put that in there. A and little extra this. And it tastes the same. But the reason why people did things is because they had no choice. Now they have choices. Why? You could make a cake in half of the time now and yeah. still get the same flavor. Yes. I love that. What's the name of the other two? Okay. The other one is a ring out your sponge, I said. And then the other one is life organization or organizational. So it's a life book. So I can't just say anyone, but mostly elder people who... It has stuff everywhere. So you have a book that has your medications, your, your doctor's appointments, all your scheduling, your contact information, your web address information, your passwords, uh, your life insurance information. Everything is in this one book. So when you take, let's say, God forbid something happens, and you can just grab that book and take it with you. And everything that you need is in that book. That's brilliant. Because older people you don't really tech savvy. But if they could sit down and write everything in that book and put everything in one book instead of having papers here and papers there and you try to find the life insurance information, their life insurance policy numbers, their their contact numbers, everything is in one book. And you say older people, but I'm going to tell you, I urge people in this audience, go get it because you don't know when your day is up. That's true. My brother uh, passed away March 18th. Ooh. 39 years old. Ooh. Okay. So get it because you need to have it written down. You know, I have a piece of paper that has like all my accounts and all mm-hmm. of that stuff, but I will be getting this journal 
Oh, thank you. Life organization. That is yeah. huge. We need to have somebody should be able to come to you. If something happens to me, I would love for them to be able to come to my house, grab that book, mm-hmm. and keep it moving and know everything that they need to know. Everything they need without to having know. to go through the safe. Oh, let me see what they I've been there. I've been there. I've done it. And then, that's beautiful. That yes. is I've, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Everything, yeah, everything's right there. So it's, it's like and you could just write whatever, and even if a person you could put that book in your safe. And then you just I go mean, in there and just get it out, you know? It. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, you don't have your stuff out yet. The subtitle is We're Here to Simplify Your Life. Then the last one is a powerful podcast. So it's for us podcasters. So, you know, a lot, of, I know for me, I was just using a, a book and I was just writing all my episodes in there and all the information in there. So now I just took it and made it into a book. So now you can keep all your episodes in order and you put it. Everything from the segments to the breaks to the giveaways to uh, the guest speakers. Um, what will you do different? You know everything, so you can see the improvement in your in your podcast as you grow. Oh. So it's called a powerful podcast. Love it. Mm-hmm. Look at you in two years. Two years. When you let God decide to come in here and let Him do what He got to do with you, you will be amazed at what you can accomplish in a short period of time. That is beautiful. Amazed at what you can accomplish. You are totally out of your comfort zone, but look—I mean, two years. Look at you, Queen. <laughs> I gotta buy me one with you know my hair shorts. I gotta buy me one that has some kind of uh, attachment or something. I'm wearing my little <laughs> crown around, you know. And so I do um, for my um, my workshop book for the Ring Up Your Sponge. I'm actually have a course coming out very soon, okay. so people will be able to use the book with the course. So I'm gonna have that on my website um, in the next couple of weeks. And what's the website? www.lesstalk1943.com. Excellent. This has been such a pleasure. Yes, I enjoyed you. I enjoyed your show. May God continue to bless you and the growth of your show and any endeavors in the future. Thank you. Same to you. I always ask my guests, if you want to leave one thing for the audience, what would it be? Trust the process. This has been so inspirational. I'm so grateful. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Codependently Podcast. Have a wonderful day. Bye. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time, so thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me, and check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.